Uh. Some of my peoples one time. Let's get started. I won't teach you. Let me set apart who is my people. Yay, yay. Hey, y'all. What's going on, everybody? You are back in the mix. This is Across the Intersection podcast. We thank y'all for rocking with us this week. We've been off for a couple of weeks, so, you know, <laughs> been out of town and been doing some different things, and so now we are back in it. This is AJ. I'm in here with Eve. Hey, y'all. So we got a skeleton crew today, <laughs> but we wanted to definitely get a podcast out to you guys because people are actually hitting us up like, yo, what's going on? So um, please hit us up on social media as always. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Across This um, and on Facebook, Across the Intersection. Um, you can email us. You know, you know. I realize we haven't been sending the email out. Create oh. the email address, and we never. So hit us up on email if you want to email us. It's atipc across the intersection podcast. Just the letters atipc at outlook dot com. So that's what we're that's what we're doing right now. Um, you can also follow us individually on social media. I am at divinimus. That's at d i v e n o m o u s. Uh, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And you can follow me on Twitter, and that's E to the V to the E, where I talk about basically everything. Uh, yes, and so please always listen to our podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes, Google Play, um, SoundCloud, if you don't have either of those. If you're on iTunes, please leave us a five-star rating. That would greatly <laughs> appreciate it. If we you're would. on Google Play, please subscribe subscribe on soundcloud just subscribe 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 so what about that whole intro that you used to do with across the intersection where we talk race <laughs> comma this that and the other oh yeah we do all that too <laughs> yeah so you know we're going to talk race and politics and faith and all of the above um and do it from that mature perspective so um last time i checked my driver's license i'm a grown-up so i gotta i gotta act like one you was grown every time these gray hairs start peeking out my beard i gotta remember that i'm a i'm not a young man anymore and the interesting thing about white hairs and gray hairs is that they want to be seen i don't know what it is they have their own agenda i remember when i had locks and my first white hair tried to come like there's so much going on in a lock there's so much hair in a lock but for some reason that one wanted to come to the outside you know i don't I don't know what's going on with these white hairs. Them jokers got to be seen. You know how it is. <laughs> the white always got to be seen. No, I'm just uh. kidding. That's a joke. It is a joke. Come on. Settle down. Um, anyhow, like, when do we make that transition from being a young adult? Remember when you were like, oh, you're the young adults. Well, the young adults. And adult now I'm like, ministry, it's like a real adult. Yeah, like, but, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a weird transition because you don't really want to admit that the transition has it's, taken place. Yes. So basically, you finish undergrad, you start your life, or, you know, whatever. You start, you, you're 18 or 21 or 22, and you're a young adult. Um, and that's the thing. Your marital status has something to do with it. Sometimes when you're still single, this is what I think has happened for me, especially. When, as long as you're still single, deep into your 30s, you're still considered a young adult. Oh, man. <laughs> but once you get married and then you get loaded down with children, you know, I shouldn't well, say you loaded know, down. What happened for me is when 
young adults stopped wanting to hang out with me. Oh, then you knew. <laughs> like the real young adults was like, yeah, hey, we're, we're cool. We're going to go do something else. And I was like, I'm not a young adult anymore. Like, <laughs> I'm like an old head. They don't want to hang out with me. But the weird thing is that uh, when you think about your perspective when you were 23, you know, that's the thing. Because when I was 23, Ooh, long time ago. you know, 30 was old. In fact, 27, 28 was old. I know. So when you get to that age or beyond, sometimes it's difficult to remember Oh yeah, when I was uh, 23, 24, I was would be considered old too. Look, I remember um and I know we just talking y'all, so just rock with us. <laughs> I remember when uh I think it was either Impact, either in 98 or 2000, I forget. <laughs> this Impact is this conference guys that takes place in Atlanta and different parts of the country. So we're at Impact. I think it was 98 and the Crosswoman was there. Yeah. Yeah, and so the crossroom were there in 98, and so they're telling us, we're talking, they're telling us about the group and what they do, and da 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 And then they start telling us their age. And so, like, Brady's about the same age as me. I think he's, yeah. like, a year older than me. Maybe a year older than me. Yeah, about a year younger than me, yeah. And But Tonic. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. So when you're, like, 19, 20, so Wells was like, yeah, I'm 30. We was like, whoa, what the dude is Holy crap! Oh <laughs> People live to be that old. Like yeah, it was, it's crazy. It was it was hilarious because the whole room was like, because <gasps> I mean, you know, he's talking to a room of college students or recent college grads. So yeah. I mean, everybody's between the ages of eighteen and twenty three. Yeah, right. And so he's like, "I'm thirty, and we were just like, "Whoa!" Wow. He's like was... ancient. Exactly. So no, shout out to the whole CM crew. Shout out to Wells. Um, but <laughs> when you know, nineteen ninety eight, we were kind of like, "Wow." Yeah, I remember when someone would when someone who looked around my age would say that they were older than I expected. I'd be like, "What? You are thirty, or you are twenty nine? You know." So you tried to hold on to twenty nine forever. I remember that. It's like, I'm never going to turn thirty. All right, so we are just sitting here reminiscing about getting older. We're all one step closer to death, apparently. Hello, and even the people who are. 18, 19, 20, 21, everybody is getting older. We're living on this same planet. <laughs> and I got one for you. The people that are getting ready to turn 18 yeah. were born in the year 2000. Exactly. Now, that <laughs> that's a deep thing. One of my students, that's the thing. Uh, for those who don't know, I do academic advising. One of my students, I looked at their uh, date of birth, and it was said like 2003, I believe. I said, oh, my wow. God. I said, soon we're going to have adults, people who are actually grown, who have never seen the 20th century. Mm, yep. <laughs> That's crazy. And you know, I was actually, um, I forget the magazine I was reading. There's an article. They've, they've already started to do studies on like post-millennials. They're like, millennials. Yeah, like kids who were like young now because, you know, millennials were like kids born in the 90s. But yeah. For kids who might have been born during the Obama administration. Yeah, exactly. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're, they're like, these kids may be different and they may not be quote unquote millennials. They may be something different. Oh, there's no doubt. As, that's they, the, as they grow up. That's how we determine uh, generations. I know we yeah. had that discussion in the past because yeah. I, I'm a, a little bit of a purist when it comes to that. A generation is 20 years. <laughs> so those of us in Gen X were born after the boomers, which is between 65 and 84. And then the uh, millennials are 85 to 2004. So yeah, those kids who've been born, I mean, the peop- the post millennials, if they were born in 2004, five right now they're they're in the sixth grade they're 12 years old mm-hmm. you know so yeah. time has been going by yeah i got a bunch of kids it's post-millennials i see so anyway <laughs> yeah all your kids are post-millennials all right? of them <laughs> my oldest was born in 2006 wow seven six i should know her birthday six <laughs> i'm sorry and the baby sorry was born, honey i love you <laughs> and the baby was born when 
three years ago. That's funny. And, and you're not finished yet, are you? Adrian? Oh, I'm done. <laughs> anyway. And if the, I decide to reproduce, then basically my kids are going to be, you know, old enough to be my grandkids. Nah. <laughs> or young enough, I should say, but it's all good. So post millennials, that's a that's a that's a term for you. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Yeah, <laughs> um, we've hey. had our little you know chat session. Um, there's been a whole lot going on, right? I mean, we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks, and there's been a just a ton of stuff going on. Well, yeah, that's the way that the world turns, basically. And you know. I, I was resisting the the temptation to just want to chime in and just be another one of the voices. We just be more of the voices out there. I know you guys have probably heard newscasters and podcasters and radio hosts and everybody else throwing their two cents into what's been going on, whether it's all of the natural disasters, right? You had three hurricanes, mudslides, Puerto Rico, earthquakes, all of the above, right? Um, we've had NFL protests. Mm-hmm. President remarks, NBA disinvitations. North Korea know, North continuing Korea. to, you know, to test their whatever the heck, they're, whatever the whatever they're, testing whatever the, they're trying to do. Testing the world's patience is what they basically, doing. yeah. And I was reading an article about a, a town on the border of North Korea and China, how they're struggling because of those economic sanctions, and they're like eighty percent, I think, of the town's export was to North Korea, and so now they can't do any mm. business. So that people are just like, if we got to go to war, let's just go to war so we can end this thing now. But yeah. anyway, there's just a lot going on, right? And rather than trying to be another one of the voices in the sea of voices, we wanted to go in a different direction, right? We wanted to go in a different direction and talk about all these things from a specific perspective. Um, and that is who's, what, what is the Lord's perspective on all of this, right? I think most of us have heard what the quote unquote churches, and I put that in air quotes, um, purposefully, um, cause Christians have a habit of loving to chime in on stuff and telling people what they think and sounding not very different from everybody else when we're supposed to be salt and light. We, we sound like everybody else, um, from Kirk Cameron saying that God sent earth, you know, hurricanes to destroy people and they need to repent, you know, to the pastor Richard Jeffress in Texas saying if NFL guys were protesting in North Korea, they'd be shot in the head. I mean, it's just, we sound like everybody else. We don't, there's no, there's no different sound that, that I hear when I should be hearing a, a different sound. Yeah, peculiar people. The scripture speaks about us being peculiar people. There's supposed to be a difference. And so you know something's wrong if if we're just sort of following suit. Uh, we were talking a few weeks ago about a lot of people don't realize the impact of the president that we have and his personality and the force of his will and in and, and the climate that he has cast and how people who are being born into that, where the only president they will know is 45, uh, will we'll have that as an example. Well, what's going on is that he, and the way that he operates and the way he speaks and the regard that he has for people um, is, there's a wind of change going on in even Christian pastors and people who are making blunt statements like that and, and inappropriate statements like that are being impacted. And we're supposed to be salt and light, not just people who bow and follow uh, according to the winds of change. 
Yeah, because you know what we were just chatting about before we started recording, and what I've what I've seen, and I, I know this is not everybody, but most of the guys and women that I've seen who have a platform, right? Yeah. Everybody's picking a side. Everybody's picking a side. I'm I'm with this group. I'm with that group. And this is to say, neither I'm with one Paul, is Paul. I'm with Apollos. Yeah, exactly. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. Exactly. I follow Peter. Right. I don't think that this is a a my point here is not to say that either side is right or wrong right but it's to say maybe we should come up to a higher level of thinking maybe we need to come up to a higher plane and stop picking sides like everybody else is picking sides maybe we need to do some introspection first before we just jump out because it's too easy to pick a side right exactly if if the cops are you know, exercising police brutality on black guys. It's very easy for me to just side with black guys and say, hey, cops beating up black guys. I'm a black guy. Well, then, hey, and I think there's a all place, cops are bad. I think there's a place for pointing out righteousness versus wickedness. Yeah. There's a place for it. But has that place come from just my immediate fleshly reaction? Exactly. Or has I have I been able to sit down and and ponder, well, you know, What's really going on here? You know what I mean? And so that's that's just what I'm seeing. You know, listen, I you know, because I, I sit down and, and, and I think, how much more does 45 have to do before all all the the pastors and ministers and preachers who have who who co-sign him, right? How much more will he have to do before they say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Of course, listen. He's old, he's rich, and he's white, right? Which many of them are. So, again, without that introspection, it's very easy for them to side with him. I don't fault them for that in you know on the surface because that's human nature. You side with people who look like you. You side with people who are from where you're from. Like That's human nature, and God calls us to come out of that nature. Right, Are my if if I'm an old, affluent, wealthy white pastor, and an old, affluent, wealthy president says, "Hey, I I need you to co-sign what I'm doing." Human nature, I'm going to co-sign that without much introspection. That's why you have a lot of black leaders and and black churches co-signing a lot of shady stuff just because a black person's doing it. Right? If a black person wasn't doing it. Are, am I sure that Farrakhan wouldn't be invited to a white church? Probably not. You, you, see, you see what I'm saying? A black pastor would feel more inclined to do that. Why? Because without much introspection, human nature would just say, oh, I'm just going to side with you because we of, look alike and we come from the same place. Yeah, speaking, for, speaking of human nature, I think that it even goes beyond. It's still human nature, but it goes beyond uh, someone even subconsciously saying, oh, I see a representative of myself. Let me follow suit. There are always a lot of variables. For example, when you have an oppressed people group, as African-Americans have been since 1619, uh, then when you have an African-American making certain statements in the context of 400 years of oppression and being told that you're wrong and 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 um, and have and being in this type of environment where uh, where you're not valued, where you're undervalued, yes, I think that a knee-jerk reaction is to side with an Al Sharpton, right. whether he's right or wrong, or or whoever it is, or even Obama, who uh, is someone who has a brings a lot to the table, very intelligent, um, 
uh, just on the outside, a very good leader and uh, stand up person. But when it comes to Christian values, you know, that, that when it comes to issues of so-called abortion rights or when it comes to issues of of definition of marriage and things that that he also believed or even the warmongering honestly you know whether he inherited it or not right. these things are anti-christian right and so um so but i think that in the context of this being the first black president and we've been here for century upon century upon century and then us being under attack for all this time it's not just that somebody sees a black man and they want to agree they they, they have all of that backdrop as well it's the same thing with what happened um with oj simpson right so rodney king a few years prior right you know got off and it was on video i think it's one of the first times we've seen something so blatant and rodney king regardless of what he even if he had tried to kill someone before that tape went on during the time that you see the tape it's he's he's down he's down for the count and he's still being wailed on and wailed on by by more people, you know, so, so anyway, a few years goes by and people actually let OJ go. I remember because, that. Yeah. The, the jurors was like, yeah, we were thinking about Rodney King. Yeah. Really. I mean, whether it was conscious or subconscious, it's like, we need to get some kind of, some kind of justice, uh, yeah. justice somewhere. Even if we're going to let a murderer off or, <laughs> you know, if, if, if OJ suffers from CTE or whatever the situation is, yeah, yeah, yeah. even if we let him off. So in, when it comes to the white pastors, I think it's the same thing. It's like, I don't think that they say, oh, the person is old, rich and white, so I'm going to agree with him. Um, but I think that it comes from another context where they're being told, whether it's biblical or not, uh, that you need to um, support whatever your leader says. And so they might just say, well, it's Christian for me to support what this man is saying. It might even go beyond them looking and seeing a white another white person. See, I I don't think so. Only because I say this because you didn't see that level of support from those same pastors for Obama. So that's why I think it's more of that cultural knee jerk reaction you were talking about okay. on both sides. Okay, you know where there will be a black knee jerk reaction, just like there will be a white. Neither one is right. I'm just you know just trying to give um, examples. There may be a little bit of that. You know. Christianese sprinkled in there, but I think on it at its core, it's that knee-jerk reaction to inherently support someone that looks like you, where you're from, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the reason I'm even bringing all that up is because God calls us to something higher than that. Right? Yeah. God calls us to something higher than just the knee-jerk cultural res- response, right? That we should take a moment to introspect and really seek out, you know, what his heart is on a matter. Like, you know, Lord, I see what's going on. What is your heart on the matter? Because, it, again, it's too easy. It's too easy for me to have that knee-jerk response. Like, it's too easy for me to see uh, Michael Bennett take a knee, the Cleveland Brown players take a knee, even before Trump's remarks, right, about SOBs that he made in, in Alabama. Yeah. Last week, even before that, when when they started to take knees earlier in the season, it's too easy for me to just side with those guys mm-hmm. yeah. and say, "Oh, the black players are doing it. I'm with them." Without taking a step back, saying, "Hey, hmm, let me at least see what they're doing besides taking a knee. Is all they're doing taking a knee? Like Kaepernick's doing work, right? Yeah. But are these other guys are they just looking for a PR stunt or are they really doing work? You see what I'm saying? Interesting. If but I gotta step away to think about things like that. 
as opposed to just this knee-jerk reaction. Now, why am I saying all this? Because as a believer, God has called us to something a little higher, right? That we aren't caught up in all of these different things that are popping up and we don't sound like everybody else. We should be sounding different um, and not sound like everybody else. I just want to read... For those of you who read the Bible, I, I want to read a, a passage of scripture and just and then we can just talk about it and just keep it moving. But it's in the book of Joshua. It's in the Old Testament. And this is right before Joshua takes Israel to battle in Jericho. And it's chapter five. And it says that when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him holding a drawn sword. As Joshua approached him, he asked him, are you on our side or with our enemies? The man answered, truly, I am the commander of the Lord's army. Now I have arrived. Then Joshua bowed down with his face to the ground. What does my master want to say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army answered Joshua and said, remove your sandals from your feet because the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. And then Joshua began to receive instruction on how to move on Jericho. Yeah. And I thought that that was so pertinent because it what it showed was the dichotomy because Joshua's first instinct was to demand that this heavenly being tell him whose side he's on, <laughs> which is what most Christians do nowadays, right? What we say is, hey, are you with us or are you against us? Are you with us or are you with them? And the that angelic being was like, I'm with neither. I'm with neither one of you. As a matter of fact, stop talking and take your shoes off yeah. because you're in my presence and you know where you are is, is, is holy. I could imagine his facial expression saying, Am I so he this is a heavenly being coming down in order to offer instruction and this little peon says, <laughs> Well, which one of our peon sides are you on? He yeah, I could imagine him looking and saying, what? It, <laughs> I am a commander of the Lord's army. What are you talking? What? So, yeah, this is, this is there's a huge uh, chasm here. And Joshua only knows uh, what's going on on the terrestrial level. Yep. He's only thinking linear. And so because what God calls us to is such a higher way of thinking, we can't see. Because what Joshua had, I think, was that same knee-jerk reaction, right? We see a guy... If he has a drawn sword, right, he looks like he probably could fight. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why Joshua was like, you with us? Because you could probably help us out. Yeah. You could probably help us out. Or are you, are, are you with them? Because I would love to have found out. I, I, I can only imagine that that angelic being might, might have thought against you. What, do you want to fight? Like, <laughs> like he said, are you with us? Are you with our enemies? Like, and what if I said I was with the enemies? What would you get ready to do? Like, what are you getting ready to do? Yeah. We have to, as believers, we have to stop with this, this or that, because God calls us to something higher. And I think that for me, the the pivotal thought from that group of scriptures is the word neither. Mm. And mm. he says that I am neither. As a as a believer, you know, when people say, Are are you for Black Lives Matter or are you for Blue Lives Matter? Are you for protesting the anthem or are you against protesting the anthem are you this or are you that are you for immigration or are you for not or the muslim ban or are you i'm neither we're supposed to be followers of christ and you might remember right. i think it was in the book of mark where it was recorded it might have been more than one uh gospel where it was recorded where natural disasters were going on in the first century 
It, this is nothing new. Natural disasters happen. The earth shakes. The earth rattles and rolls. You know, so the first century was there and Jesus was living his life and, you know, Israel existed and Galilee existed and he's, he's going on about his business. And there was a tower that fell um, on people. And, you know, this is, it wasn't a natural disaster, I guess, you know, human beings could have, could have built the tower a little bit more securely. But the point is, is that this was sort of a fluke or what we would consider a fluke. And so people came to Jesus, of course, just like today, when something happens, people go to leaders and say, well, what should we do? Or what do you think? Or they'll go to spiritual leaders and say, what is God saying? So they go to Jesus and and say, well, you know, what do you have to say about these people? These people were were innocent. Mm -hmm. They were living their lives. All of a sudden, a tower falls on them and squashes them. And Christ says the same neither that you're talking about. He responds by saying, he says, well, unless, what I would say is unless you too repent, (laughs) you're going to suffer the same fate. So he, he, he rose above the issue of the tower and what the destination of the souls would be in terms of the the fate of the people and whether they deserve the tower to fall on them or not. And maybe those are three-year-old running around and ended up dead. Jesus said, no, the way that you respond to people who ask these questions is unless you repent, you'll suffer the same fate. And that, again, that's a higher way of thinking. Now you might be listening and saying, yo, a, I'm not that naive. We, we live in a real world. We Mm -hmm. got real problems keeping it real. Right. (laughs) I'm 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 not gonna be what do they say so heavenly minded I'm no earthly good that's yeah. one of the old favorite sayings right <laughs> and there is some truth in that statement however I'm not so earthly good that I'm no no I'm not so earthly minded that I'm no heavenly good exactly that there is a balance of the two that must take place that the 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 kingdom of God is not just in heaven his kingdom is here in the earth and as citizens of his kingdom right for those of us who are believers we are citizens of another kingdom like this is the kind of stuff that Jesus talked about yeah over when, and over yeah when 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 the cat approached him was like yo if you're a king he's like if my kingdom was of this world they'd be barging at your gates right now <laughs> trying to get in right so I'm a citizen of another kingdom, which and that kingdom's higher. So it call it, it forces me to have to think on a higher plane about things. Think about things from a higher perspective. It's almost like children. You know how children approach problems. They just approach it from a different perspective than an adult, where they look at it and they're like, "Oh my God, what am I gonna do about that?" And you're like, "Yeah, if you just take this, take that, it's fine." Like, yeah. like what the heck's the problem? Yeah, you. Think about it from a higher perspective, where to them, it was a catastrophe. It was everything. It was it, their yeah, whole world. It was their whole world. All this stuff going on, it seems like it's our whole world. There's no way that we're going to be able to get through this. We're not going to get past this. Listen, this is not the end of the world. This is not like, oh my God. was No, God. God is not caught off guard. He's not caught by surprise. And so because I understand that, it governs my actions. It governs how I respond to things because I understand that, all right, if this is going on, two things. I understand, one, God allowed it. And two, if he allowed it to happen, that he has made a way for me to navigate through it. In addition, it's a part of the course of things. Uh, my my uh, group of I, a group of people and I are, are going, through, uh, going through Genesis right now. And the amazing thing about Genesis is that it helps you to see everything in context. That's the story of that's the the story of origins. Genesis is the beginning. So one thing that's really important uh, is to step back and see that there is a course that this 
earth is going through. There's a, there's a process, you know, there was a war in heaven. There was a, there was sin that entered the earth and it is playing itself out. You know, this, this is not just, I mean, it's yes, God does allow certain things and doesn't allow others, etc. but no, we're a part of a redemptive history. But when you come upon a particular time period when you were born and all this is all you know, the only thing you know is what you're experiencing. But if you pan out, then you realize that there is a playing out of redemption that's going on. And this earth is, you know, in a fallen state. No, this does not um, make the mother of a slain, you know, police brutality victim feel better. Um, but it does help us to see from a biblical worldview that we're here. There's a context here. You know, it's not just uh, it's not just surface. And one thing I wanted to mention, AJ, that really was an illustration for me about going higher and seeing things uh, from a different perspective uh, and this is, it helped me. It might, you know, I'm, I'm a person who's visual, might not help everyone, but there was one time a while ago that I, that I, um, flew. Um, this was obviously not my first time flying, but for some reason I, I had to check to see how long it would take once we, once we took off before I couldn't see human beings anymore. Mm. So we, we were, you know, on the jet, on, on the runway and we, we took off and we, you know, started our ascent and, um, I just, wanted to see how long it took but you know because everything look gets smaller and smaller from right, our right. eyeball perspective and it took i think it was 10 seconds wow 10 seconds we weren't even the ascent had just started basically <laughs> we weren't even that far in the air or above everything rising above everything 10 seconds before wow. i could not see people walking around wow and then it took another 20 or so seconds before i couldn't see cars and so you know in in when you look at the span, the way that this world is built, you know, that's nothing. That's not, we haven't even entered the stratosphere wow. <laughs> at that point. There's so much more sky. More there are miles here. and miles and miles uh, of sky left. But so I'm saying that to say what's going on, you know, from that perspective, even from a few, you know, from a thousand or however many feet up or whatever it is, from that perspective, all these little human affairs. <laughs> they, get, they get small. They really do. And you know what else happens? The noise goes away. That's extremely important. And that's, it does. Yeah, that is so pivotal for believers that in the in 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 a time and in an era where things are noisy, coming up right, coming up to that higher plane of thinking, so that you can contemplate stuff, you remove the noise. You you remove so much of the noise that goes on that you hear. And that can cloud your judgment and that can, you know, block and distract you from other things. There's a lot of noise going on, guys. There's a lot of noise. And, and I think for believers, you know, and even if you're not a believer, get to a place where you can think about things apart from all the noise. Because that's where you're going to make the most sound decisions. You're going to make those decisions in places where it's not very noisy. I don't need to to try to have a flippant, you know, knee-jerk reaction when I see the the president of the United States having an address and calling private citizens SOBs for a protest. I, like I'm not going to make a sound decision or a, a sound response to that in a noisy place. I need to get to a place where it's quiet. Um why? Because I'm going to have that same knee-jerk reaction. 
I'm going to say, who do you think he is? Yeah. Steph Curry is my favorite player. Yeah. Screw that guy. No, no, no. I need to get to a, I need to get to a, a calm and a, and a peaceful place because we are called to a higher place of thought, a higher place of living. You know, and to be a, sure, oh, I just wanted to say to be sure, um, going to going higher and getting away from that noise or 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 ex- reexamining your worldview and seeing everything going on in light of it does not mean you don't respond. It's it's not just like okay, oh, those puny humans, who knows what they're doing? You know, I'm not black, I'm not white, I'm not Republican, I'm not. I'm just. A, a, a citizen of the kingdom and floating around, it means that there is a response. Although but floating would be pretty dope if I could float. <laughs> <that would. laughs> but, uh, you know, so there is a response, but it's through a biblical lens. It's right. through a lens of a worldview that supersedes all of this. It's not a non-response. You know, there's a, a real dope interaction um, in the Gospel of John. Again, we're going Bible scriptures for those of you listening. Get them it's in Bible. The, um, I think it's John four, but it's when Jesus meets the woman at the well. Yeah. Um, and she makes a statement to him though. She says, "You know, hey, you're a Jew and I'm Samaritan. We don't really vibe. Like our people don't vibe with each other." And Jesus doesn't even entertain that. Like he just he doesn't respond to it. He doesn't respond directly to that. So when, there's a gender situation. There's a there, the, the ethnicity there's ethnicity, and Jesus steps and moves to the next or moves on to his point exactly. of being there. And that's, that's where point. that's where we have to be, right? That's where we got to be at. If if I see, what does he say to her instead of, oh yeah, you know, you're right, you're right. I'm a man, you're a woman, you're a Samarian or half breed, as they would have called them at the time, <laughs> and I'm an Israelite. You're right. We shouldn't be. Ta- what does he say instead of instead of actually responding to the division that she was caught up in? Let's see. Uh, the woman said to him, and I'm in John 4, forgive me, guys, because we didn't plan on talking about this. Yeah, so what, I mean, that's that's a really good point that you're making, though, that, that he doesn't, and, and you know, that also speaks to um, how we can respond. If we're supposed to be imitators of Christ, we should respond, not always by just taking on the issue that someone throws at us. Everyone's issue is not our issue. You're exactly right. So in John 4, um, this is around verse Seven, um, Jesus is at the well, and a Samaritan woman comes um, came to draw water. Jesus said to her, "Give me some water to drink." Um, for the disciples had gone off into the town to buy supplies. So the Samaritan woman said to him, "How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for water to drink? For Jews have nothing in common with Samaritans." <laughs> Jesus answered her, said, "If you had known the gift of God and who it is." What? What? Give me what? some water. Oh, let's to go drink. back. Uh uh-uh, uh, AJ. Let's go back. See, look at that. And Jesus, and, and by the way, those who read the scripture, whether you believe the scripture to be divinely inspired or not, the scripture is banging. Like, just, just from a narrative and uh, perspective. But if you read it, Jesus does this all the time. When you see the, the wisdom of he the people, he does this in all scripture. the time. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm saying, in terms of the, yeah. And then, <clears throat> he yeah. sidesteps people's. <laughs> earthly point yeah because he, he does it to Nicodemus when All Nicodemus talks time. about something else. so I want to read this Go ahead, do it again. listen to what his answer was essentially in verse 9 the woman says Jews and Samaritans we don't jive like what's why are you asking me for water yeah right black man I'm just a white woman why do you want water for me okay. or white or black woman I'm just a white guy why do you want water for me if you had known the gift of God and who it is who said it to you then you would give me some water to drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So what does that mean? He's calling her up to a higher plane of thinking. He's calling her up to a higher, 
you're looking at me as a Jew. He says, but if you realize who you were really talking to, that would not be the question mm-hmm. that you would ask me. And so because Christians, we we spend so much of our time in the noisy place with knee-jerk responses, we don't allow people the opportunity to ask us the real questions mm. because we spend so much time arguing, right, about whether or not um, I should allow this guy to get an abortion or this woman to have an abortion or these two gays to get a cake in my bakery or, or th- th- these nonsensical things, right, that at their core, yes, they're in opposition to what we believe, but we spend too much time in the noisy places talking about things like that. And we, what we do is we rob people the opportunity to talk to us about the higher, more weightier things of life. And so this is what he's telling this woman. You're looking at me as just a Jew. You see yourself as just a Sumerian. And this goes to your point where, no, I'm not a naive, one of these naive, foolish Christians that don't understand where I live. Yeah. But although I am a son of God who dwells in black skin, I'm not just a black guy. Yeah, And that's... That comes from understanding who I really am, getting out of the noisy places and thinking about some things. Do I am I subject to the things that are, you know, inherently in an African American male's existence? Of course. I'm a I'm a man. So I pee standing up. I mean, yeah. whatever, you know, whatever has to deal with being a man, yeah. I have to live through that, right? Women, you have similarly, but that's not just who we are. That's that is just the 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 the, the shell the the case. If I buy a well, peanut, I mean, but there, it's not just the peanut shell. I want to get to the inside. Yeah, I mean, and, and to be sure, there are also sociological implications. You know, you're a man, which is a which is a, a, a privilege uh, sociologically. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, but the, but you know, maleness is privileged over over femaleness. However, you're also black, which is underprivileged under whiteness, etc. So you live in a sociological context. However. You're still not limited to that identity, and so as we, you know, I I, I want to pivot off of that and start talking about something else that that that's troubling. When we don't, when we don't really move to that higher way of thinking, right, and we don't really try to dwell there, you know, um, something else that that I've just found troubling is this this mindset that being this something like like being uber patriotism you know this uber patriotism is sort of synonymous with being like a real christian <laughs> like real christians are true patriots um and that that is problematic because again it is bringing something heavenly down yeah to an earthly level yeah you know i'm i'm now dra- this i mean it's similar to this joshua 5 scripture mm-hmm. it's dragging down something heavenly and forcing it into a context that is you know well not necessarily a context but into a, a con- like conforming it right to a form that is earthly and you can be a patriot that's fine you can love the united states you can love any other country that you are from. You know, I got family that's from Jamaica. They love Jamaica. I got family from Trinidad. They love Trinidad. And you can't tell them any different. But loving that particular nation is not synonymous, right, with my Christianity or my belief or what, 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 whatever you want to call it. I think that this mentality that real Christians are true patriots, right, God and country, you know, that, that, that whole mentality um, the Bible that I read says that God watches nations rise and he <laughs> watches them fall. 
Um, that scripture is so now, funny to me. He's sitting back. He's like, oh, okay. Another one bites the dust. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's like, it, it's it's really funny. It really puts us as human beings and our institutions into proper context. Every nation rises and every nation falls. So what what does it say about, what does it say about the believer, the Christian, the whatever, who put, makes those two things synonymous? That says, "Oh no, I'm a I'm a real believer, but I'm a patriot." This like they are one and the same. You know, I can understand where it comes from from a historical perspective, uh, because the reason that Europeans, well, one of the reasons, yeah, because there one are one of lot, the minor reasons. <laughs> yeah, th- this is actually a major reason, but yeah, there's a there's a lot that can be said, but I'll, mm-hmm. but one of the reasons that some European groups came here in the first place was to flee religious persecution. Right, right, uh, yeah. right. So you have the Quakers who are being persecuted in Central Europe. You have the um, the Catholics who are being persecuted in Western Europe, etc. There's so many different groups of people who came uh, so that they they saw this con they saw this hemisphere this 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 huge continent. Uh, who cares that there were people living here? Right. But uh, just happened to be a minor yeah, issue. Just, you know, <laughs> but they see this land, and so to, to get to the point, um, they were establishing the pur- the pilgrims, the Puritans, and others were establishing what was called a city on a hill. So they saw their crusade to come over here and establish something in freedom um, to be a matter of faith. So we're talking about a foundation here. A foundation of, of the reason for some that this country was established. Of course, they came over here um, within the context of Europeans from a political perspective expanding and trying to exert their influence over the rest of the world. So we know that it's not just right. sort of this, you know, nice, but, you know, even in the midst of of what the powerful are doing, you have your own personal interests. And so the interests of people. Uh, who were a part of the Christian faith was to establish this city on on a hill. That's why throughout hu- uh, American history we have these um, these utopias that have come up, and have risen and fallen. Everybody wants uh, 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 to live in a place where where a worldview is shared, um, especially if they consider the worldview to be um, biblical. So on the one hand, yeah, that's where that comes from. So you know, we we are patriotic uh, because. This is the place where we were allowed to exercise our freedom of religion. And so that's part of what has put those, uh, caused people to pair the patriotism and the Christianity together. But of course, the problem is when you look at scripture, how much patriotism do you see there? In fact, when, when, when the Israelites asked for a king, you know, it was in judgment that God gave them Saul. Right. He looked great on the outside. He was handsome he was uh, head and shoulders above everyone else physically and all of these other things but he was wicked or at least he became wicked so this was a, a so so god responded with a judgment on people who said i want to be like all those other nations and have a king when god is like i was your king I, i'm your king i'm like eternally superior to these little humans that you want to set above you. Um, so so there, there are two things that I'm saying is that I can see where it comes from because the, our country was founded in part on people who were trying to establish themselves um, spiritually in a place where they can be free and that aligned with the colonies in this in this hemisphere and then what became the United States of America. But on the other hand, as you said, we need to rise higher and look through a biblical lens and and determine whether patriotism and 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 uh, uh, standing up to a piece of cloth 
or singing a song that has a stanza that supports slavery or, you know, anything like that is actually biblical or even Christian. Yeah, there's a there's a, a term that a, a lot of um, Bible scholars use. It's called divine concession. And they'll say, you know, a lot of times in Scripture, when you see God allow things like that, it's it's a divine concession. So when God's, you know, plan would have been X, but the people beg and beg and beg and beg for Y, you know, it's you like, see, okay. yeah, you see God, okay, fine, here you go. And so when you see them, you know, God give them a king, you know, mm-hmm. which it, though it wasn't in his original plan, that's, you know, a divine concession. And so when we when we do things like that when we kind of for, you know it's almost like when your kids you know for those of you who have children you know when your kids begging 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 you wasn't going to do it but you like, you know what here you figure it out <laughs> because you keep begging me for this thing i'm going to give it to you and when it blows up in your face i'll be there to help you but but it's going to blow up and so when why am i saying all that if i'm if me as a believer if i want to get on this you know uber patriot bus and i just want to be this super patriot but then sh- things like Charlottesville happen, right? Which I can guarantee you, most of those guys out there would have considered themselves patriots. Yeah. Well, then how do I now reconcile the notion because I've been tooting this patriot horn for however many years, then you have guys out here with where on one hand they'll say, kick the Muslims out and Jews are not going to replace us and let's get all these blacks back to Africa. Oh, but we're patriots too. We, we love America. Me, but I've been saying the same things. I've been this uber patriot, you know, pumping this pro-American agenda all day, all night. But I never thought, wow, I never thought, never thought. Um, I never thought that I might have aligned myself with individuals that would do things like what took place in Charlottesville, you know, uh, about a month ago, month and a half ago. So... I say all that to say I got to pull back and think. I got to pull back and ponder. I got to pull back to the quiet place, to a higher place and weigh some things out. On the flip side, now I'm going to flip it because this is not to bash any one particular group. Now, again. You should love your country. We don't We don't think, and I, well, I can't speak for AJ, but I do not think that you should uh, not love your country. You know, uh, Acts, the book of Acts tells us that God specifically, deliberately placed us at the time and in the country and in the environment that he placed us for his own glory. So yeah, you should, you know, you should love your country. It doesn't mean you shouldn't criticize it. In fact, your love should cause you to want to make it better, but it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with, um, with being patriotic as long as the the country <laughs> that you're supporting, um, supports what God uh, supports God's uh, view of morality and, and the way that that we should be living. I don't think that um, it means that uh, that you should not love your country. No, I don't. I don't think it does either. Um, and I love you know being here. I, I love the things that being in this country has afforded me. And I know a lot of people might hear things like this and call us ungrateful. Um, but what I do understand is that my existence is not limited to my citizenship in this nation. And that's what believers must understand. Right. And it's on both sides of the coin, because what I'm saying is I'm neither. Right. So if I align myself with Black Lives Matter or another group like that, I'm just I'm not singling out Black Lives Matter. I'm just saying as an example, because I know of people who have gone to Black Lives Matter meetings. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're like, yeah, F all the police, kill all them pigs. Yeah. And I mean, believers. 
And then mm. they're like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Whoa, I just wanted to help out black folk, but they're taking this joint in a whole nother direction. Never thought. Again, I never thought. I just had a knee-jerk reaction, yeah. and I, you know, I aligned myself with something that uh, I didn't really give much thought to. So what am I saying? I'm saying as a believer, as a son of God, as you know, Christian, whatever, my existence is, is, is different. The way that I'm called to live and and exist in this ball, in this you know glass ball of the earth, right, <laughs> is different than anybody else. My existence is not limited to this black skin or this male genitalia or anything. It's not limited to that. It, that is a part of it, but it is not the totality. This is why God asked Adam in the garden after they ate the fruit, who told you you were naked? (laughs) See, he once he ate the fruit, he immediately limited his existence to his shell. That's what that that's what the fallen state of the world will do. It'll limit your existence to the shell. And all of a sudden you're white, you're black, you're Mexican, you're this, you're a woman, you're a man. You're from Albania, you know, whatever. All of a sudden my existence becomes limited to the shell. When God says you was always naked, but your existence was, you understood your existence was bigger than that. And we, as believers, we have to get to a place where we understand my existence is bigger than this black skin. It's bigger than the United States, right? It's bigger than the Western church. All all of these different encasements. And well, and, and we and we need to interpret these encasements through the lens of our larger worldview. Right. So how do we interpret our environment? Otherwise, what we're doing, what's really happening is that uh, because when you are in water, if you jump into a pool and you're in water, you're impacted by every direction that that water goes. And you don't have the benefit of, of objectivity because you're in there. And how can you? You could be the most righteous fish or or whatever object in the water that you want to be, but you're still in that water. And so the safety in peering at the world through that biblical lens is that it's objective. It doesn't care about the water. Right. You know, but I want to get back. I want to hang out in that garden a little bit longer (laughs) because, you know, um, what you were just talking about, about the Garden of Eden and how Eve and Adam were were provoked into um, despising, honestly, because uh, despising the, the, the commands of God. Because that's really what Eve did. She she responded to 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 um, the enemy uh, saying to her, "Did God really say?" And the reality is, uh, he told you not to to eat from there because if you do, you'll become like him. And boom, you know, you'll you'll be. He doesn't want you to have the, all this power and all this. He doesn't want you to be to be able to see clearly like he does and know good from evil. You know, and so he basically, the devil in, in this uh, origin story that we're talking about, basically provoked Eve and said to her, you know, the reason that, you know, the real reason that, that, that you're prohibited from eating this is because, you know, that, this God does, it wants to keep you in, in, in a low condition. Of course, you know, not expressing that she was in a very high position. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so I'm saying all this to say that uh, if you look at the garden and the way that that Lucifer or whatever stage of development (laughs) this enemy was in at that point in the way that he approached her, it kind of makes me think about modern society in a way and then even over the course of history. Because when you have a group of people and then there's an enemy that wishes to provide confusion and divide and all he 
needs to do or all that needs to be done, whether we're talking about a single enemy or systemic or the plutocracy that we live in that actually benefits off of the 99% fighting amongst each other and the 1% still rising above and, and maintaining power, whoever the enemy happens to be, we need to look at the ways, the methods, the strategies that tend to be used. And when we see all of this controversy happening all at the same time and all of these voices, another benefit of us rising above that and looking at it through a biblical lens is so that we're not caught up in this divide and conquer that has worked since humankind has started. Mm -hmm. Do we want to be victimized by that? Where just like the person, most Black Lives Matter people would not say, kill all the cops. But for that particular meeting that you're talking about, when that person gets there, they're a Christian, but then they're, before you know it, they have the mob mentality as well and saying rah, rah, rah. That's because they're in that water. Exactly. They're in that noisy place. They're in that, you know, and again, th- this is not an attack on anybody. So I don't want people to take this as we're attacking U.S. or attacking patriots or attacking Black Lives Matter or attacking anybody. Rise above I, we, it. Yeah, that's what we're exactly. saying. We want believers to understand that we are called to live above it. Even the passage that I mentioned in, in Genesis, it's still neither. The fruit was the knowledge of good and, and evil. evil. So that means before they ate the fruit, they didn't know what good was. Good was irrelevant. Good was an irrelevant term but. before the fruit. So believers... Good is an irrelevant, as, as like from God's perspective, good is irrelevant. Evil is irrelevant. They were irrelevant terms. Adam and Eve were not created understanding what good was because everything was God. Like everything was of that higher existence. And everything, everything he had made up to that point was yeah, good. Exactly. So there was no need to try to explain what good versus evil. They, they didn't need to know. If I come up to that place and I begin to ponder things from that perspective, right? I don't need to to tell you how wrong it is that if police victimize certain segments of the population, right? I don't have to continually beat it over your head to tell you how wrong that is. If I come up to a place where I'm thinking about it, it'll become obvious, right? The the works of the flesh are obvious. Yeah. This is what Galatians tell us. This is so. This might be our believers podcast. If you're not a really believer, you don't read the Bible. You might not jive with most of this. But this is what this is the place in which we are called to live. And so, what am I saying? If I'm walking outside and the grass is green, I don't have to beat you in the head to make you believe that the grass is green. It's green. If you take a minute to look at it, you'll realize that as a believer. I don't have to beat you over the head to tell you this or tell you that or tell you anything. If you come to a place of high, of a higher place of quiet and ponder and allow God to speak to you, these things will be made very plain and very clear. And all of a sudden, you'll be able to resist the knee-jerk reactions to want to align yourselves with people who are not in favor of God's agenda. They are not truly in favor of God's agenda. My agenda is his agenda. Now, if in now if in working out his agenda, we have a benefit for the country or a benefit for black people or a benefit for white people or a benefit for anybody, so be it. But if at any point their agenda veers off of his agenda, I do not align myself with anyone outside of his agenda. And there's a safety and an objectivity to that 
And that's the thing. Do we want to be tossed to and fro, even if you um, have a different worldview besides a biblical one? Do you want to be victimized by, by, by the winds of change and, you know, ideas about right and wrong and, and not really knowing who's in power? Do you want to be victimized by that or do you want to have an objective perspective? So one of the, you know, the safety uh, nets in, in the objectivity that, that scripture provides, both of us as African-Americans, for example, um, we know that the scripture speaks in favor of uh, the way that the stranger or, you know, people from other countries or people who are different should be treated in a theocracy. We know that we're on the side of God uh, when it comes to demands, in, when it comes to the expectation of justice. So that's clear. However, um, the, the benefit of, of looking at things through a biblical lens is that when we are wrong, we can also identify that. Right. And be so, fine with that. So, yeah. You know, and, what, and be what, fine yeah. with that. Yeah. So if the scripture speaks against, if, if, if the scripture speaks against thou shalt not murder, that's one of the basic commandments. Okay. It doesn't say thou shalt not murder, um, you know, 99 year olds, but thou can murder, you know, uh, zygotes or, you know, like <laughs> scripture speaks about murder of human beings. Right. If the baby in someone's womb is not a human being, what is the species? You know, so you tell me. So, you know, if that's not, so the scripture speaks about that, right? So if we have an issue in the African-American community concerning termination of pregnancy, but, uh, and, and, but we also have an issue concerning justice, um, in, in the way that we're treated in, in, in a, a systemic oppression that has actually created the society and the inequality, inequality that we see now, through the biblical lens, we can say one is right and one is wrong and be fine instead of being uh, feeling like we have to support everything that a particular, um, that a particular ethnicity does um, all in one, one swoop just because they happen to be of the ethnicity that we support. So we don't have to worry about wondering whether it's okay to talk um, in favor of, of justice for, for human beings who happen to be black and everyone else um, and, and question whether we should also um, support everything else that, that might be dysfunctional or functional going on in our community. We, we don't have to just take everything and say, well, I just support black lives, you know, period. No, there are criminals, you know, maybe 0.9% of us, a very small percent are criminals. Those people should be prosecuted. Yeah. You know, the baby who, who didn't ask to be, <laughs> to be uh, formed in a mother's womb should be protected, you know, and at the same time, we should receive, um, you know, equal rights and equal access. No, most definitely. And listen, just to even drive home the point even more, when you're, at that place, you can even objectively, sh you know, state and say when the church's perspective is not God's perspective. Yeah. And in many of these things we're seeing now, the the churches. I mean, I'm talking about the, you know, institutional church is their perspective is not God's perspective. You know, we've talked on this podcast many times about how the church co-signed slavery, right? The church co-signed the Crusades, right? The the church has co-signed many shady things throughout the history of humanity. Now, does that negate God himself? No. See, but you have to get to a place where if I'm up high enough in my thinking, I can say, you know what? The church is off on this. And so if the church is siding with one side or the other, as opposed to saying neither, that's a problem. It's a problem if we're picking sides. 
the church is not called, the, the body of Christ is not called to pick sides. We, are, we should have the mentality like the captain of the Lord's army that we read in Joshua. My agenda is his agenda. Yeah. And we need to tell people, you need to come and see where your agenda lines up with his agenda. I don't, my concern, right, my my concern right now is is not specifically your you know, oh, like what you would you say, peons? Like when I'm when <laughs> when I get up high enough and I'm looking down, what does what does that peon want to do with uh, against this peon? Yeah. I, I I need to I need to say, hey, listen, you need to decide. You know, first of all, understanding that I'm of a different you know agenda than you are, and you need to align with this one, not the other way around, right? Not oh, well, how can we fit God into mm. what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Right? How can God come in and aid? what you're doing as opposed to I may need to shift up and change what I'm doing so that it can get in line with God's heart, God's thoughts, God's vision, God's plan, et cetera, et cetera. All that requires me to come up. All that requires me to step out of this, whatever I'm in. The only time God, uh, the only time that God condescended is when he sent his son, right? Right. That's the only time he condescended down here was to rescue us. (laughs) That was a rescue effort. He was coming to get us (laughs) out. He wasn't coming to join us. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, that's, that's God's condescension. So yeah, it's, it's actually, um, buffoonery to say, let's, you know, bring God into, this little extremely limited box of Democrats versus Republicans and, 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 and that kind of thing. So with that, just remember, believers, whenever they ask you the question, the answer is always neither. Yeah. <laughs> Looking to make your ideas come to life? Because ideas can never die, you want to ensure that you are working with a skilled professional who can take your vision from abstract to reality. Let me introduce you to Darius Corey Designs. Darius is a graphic designer, illustrator, and photographer who has worked with clients ranging from large corporations to newly married couples just looking to memorialize their nuptial ceremony. From portraiture to logos and comic book illustrations, Darius uses his talents and passion to bring even the most vague ideas to fruition. Get in touch with Darius today at www. Dot dariuscorey.com that's d-a-r-i-u-s-c-o-r-r-y.com or via email at darius at dariuscorey.com that's d-a-r-i-u-s at dariuscorey.com mention this ad and get 20% off your first order please support our sponsors the way they support this podcast and let them know you heard about it at across the intersection All right, guys. So, yeah, uh, it's been heavy this week. Um, we like again. We we thank y'all rocking with us. So we're just gonna lighten it up. We're yeah. just gonna lighten it up. We've we've done. We're we're done trying to save the world. <laughs> <laughs> we're done solving all the world's problems. Um, just gonna keep it light. You know, what have you been watching? What have you been listening to? So it's only a couple of us in here this week. Mm. So what what have you been watching? What you've been listening to? What you've been on this week? Man, so oh, I guess two weeks. It's been two weeks. It's been a couple week. weeks, yeah. And I haven't been on in three weeks, I guess, right? So oh yeah, 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 yeah. All oh man, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, when it comes to watching, TV has really improved. I don't know what's going on, Netflix and so forth, but 
but TV, like Last Chance You, did you do you know about that on on Netflix? No, that's that football team at uh, East Mississippi Community College. Basically, <laughs> I know it's like what East Mississippi, but uh, yeah, in the Cricket Letter, basically they are attracting um, people who've been at D one school who are playing football at D one mm. schools who messed up. Uh, and then you know either got redshirted or needed or or needed uh you know some place to go in the interim and so the the junior college league is uh, on point you know so anyway but but uh last chance you is a really really good show on netflix that i got now is it a real show is it a documentary actually you're right it's a documentary but it's very well done yeah it's very well done now it's interesting though me being from new york the the uh (laughs) the uh, accent like the ooh, it took me a couple episodes to understand honestly what some of the guys were talking about and so they have subtitles there and that sort of thing (laughs) but anyway so but they got subtitles yeah they have because it's yeah it's not even just a southern accent it is the deep wow. yeah it is it's the deep deep south yeah so but you know that's that but yeah so netflix has a lot of stuff going on you know of course you can sponsor us anytime netflix right shout out to but, netflix <laughs> um but also check. me and the crew went to um to the urban uh film fest uh, last uh, week in, in uh, New York and got a chance to see Marshall, which is that new film about Thurgood Marshall. Thurgood that, Marshall, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that Chad uh, Bozeman is in. Uh, good film, even better story because you actually get to learn um, who Thurgood Marshall was before the Brown versus Board and all that. Chadwick is like that that dude when it when it comes to making a black movie about an old figure. A biopic, yeah. He's yeah. but he's really good at it. You know, even he doesn't even obviously look anything like Thurgood Marshall. Right. It doesn't matter how he looks. He he did James Brown very well, Jackie, Jackie Robinson, and you know, and everybody. So so it's so anyway. There's a lot going on in terms of. Um, in terms of movies and in terms of shows. Uh, but in terms of music, um, Lecrae? Uh, you know, I I got Lecrae's album, um, and I've been vibing with it myself. I've been vibing with it myself. It's I think this is some of his best stuff since probably Gravity, in far, as far as I'm concerned. I didn't really dig the church clothes stuff and Anomaly. What? I, yeah, I didn't really dig anything. I love the church clothes. Um, I love it. Gravity was okay. And I liked Rebel. Um, what, what, there was another one in there somewhere. Well, remember there was there were there were two gravities. Um, anyway, there, <laughs> there were two gravities. Not two gra- There 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 were there were a couple of um, of albums that have the same name. Um, anyway, oh. we'll have to look that up. But anyway, yeah, yeah, I've been I've been mobbing with Lecrae. I mean, but for for me, you know, I've been out of town, which is why we haven't had a podcast in a couple weeks. Um, been down to went down to Nashville. Um, had never been before. This was yeah, so we're talking about the South, and I was down there. You know, I I find it interesting. You know, as I was there for a little over a week, I was just noticing, and and I was like, man, there's a dichotomy in the South. The dichotomy because we're in the D.C. area, and I guess and DC this is, is the South. D.C. is technically the South, but you don't realize how much this is not the South until you go to the South. South, mm-hmm. like when you go to Atlanta. Don't get me started talking about that. You think this is the South? The Mason-Dixon line. It takes us an hour north to drive north to get to the Mason-Dixon. In fact, I've taken pictures of Mason-Dixon, and right next to it, there's a sign that says "Welcome to Pennsylvania." No, no, yeah, no. The the the, technically the Mason-Dixon line is the South, but like people say, Baltimore is the South. I'm just like, 
Baltimore? I think the problem is, I think that this could see, this could be a whole discussion, but I think the problem is, is that people have made the South a monolith. And this is what the South looks like according to the monolith. It's rural. And, you know, if there's a town, then it has one street light. Well, what I mean, but, but there's like a, there's but there a are cities shared in the culture, South. but there's like a more of a cultural thing. I say culturally, mm-hmm. DC's not the South. That's what I mean. Culturally, when you go to Southern cities, there's a different culture there. Like when you go to Atlanta, when you go to Charlotte, when you go to even Raleigh Durham area, there's a different culture. Like DC seems more like the Northeast to me. Um, but anyway, when we were down in Nashville, so I was like, man, there's a dichotomy down here because <clears throat> you definitely can still, you can in, in certain parts, because we were all over Tennessee. We were in Nashville for a little bit, went over to Pigeon Forge for the kids. Um, in, in, in certain parts of the state, you could literally taste the racism. It was just like, <laughs> mm, mm. like what did Dave Chappelle say? Mm, mm, that's delicious. You just, um, and so, but then in other parts, there was such, I mean, just that Southern hospitality. Yeah. And, you know, I found myself like, what a dichotomy down here. Mm. Like to be in a place that's considered the Bible Belt, because I guess ten- Nashville one of the nicknames is they call it the buckle of the Bible Belt. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Found that out when I was down there. Yeah, they're like, yeah, this is the buckle of the Bible Belt. Um, to have to be in the Bible Belt, right? To have that Southern hospitality down there, which you know you you do find in in certain places. I mean, I went to the the resort that we stayed in. They have the little um. Because I have a Chromebook. Shout out to Andrew. Y'all can support us anytime. <laughs> so I had a Chromebook, but I needed to get on something that was Windows-based. Yeah. So they have these two little computers for guests at the resort to use. But the the um, complimentary computers, they were running Chrome. I was like, miss, I, I need to use Internet Explorer because I got to get on this. Oh, she's like, oh, come on back here. <laughs> she let me come behind the desk, mm-hmm. the front desk, and I'm using the computer. And I was thinking... They would never let me do this in DC. Yeah. Like I can't think of a place anywhere around here that would have let me come behind the desk to use their computer. So you experience southern hospitality, but then you go to certain places yeah. and it's like, yo, the racism is so thick you could just, just slice it with amazing. a knife. I, I think the South is just is really a microcosm yes, it, of humanity. You know, you have a region, you know, that that has that's known for its hospitality. Um, and then even outliers of the South, like, you know, places that people want to snatch from being the South, like Austin or DC or Miami or, you know, even New Orleans, you know, there's certain places that, but still, even in those places, you know, you, you see a lot of the, the different, the contradictions, you know, the Uh, contradiction, we're we're hospitable, but at the same time, don't you marry my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) So it's interesting. Um, but what I've been watching, other than that, other than watching my kids carry on in, in uh, Tennessee, I have I've been rocking with Lecrae for a little bit. I listen to reggae, so I, be, I got a couple reggae albums by my man DJ Nicholas and uh, St. Matthew. So those are a couple of dope projects I've been listening to recently. Um, Netflix, um, because I'm not one to watch a lot of television, um, there are a lot of old stuff that's been out for a while. Um, that yeah. it's new to me because mm-hmm. I started watching it on Netflix recently. So there's this one show. It's been out since for like four years, and I start, it's the Arrow. It's like this vigilante guy. Oh yeah, it's pretty dope. Yeah. He's like Robin Hood shooting cats. <laughs> I'm like, yo, this dude is bad. He he's 
killing gangsters with a bow and arrow. So I've been watching. I know it's old. Y'all gonna be like, yo, that show is old. Yes, yeah. it's old. I understand. But it's new to me, 2017, yeah. yes. Because um, I don't watch that much television. So that's what I've been doing. Um, yeah. yeah so. But I just want to say about the Lecrae album, I really like, I think he, yeah, I know it's the theme of it, but I, you know, I don't like that he, you know, is talking about uh, the way that uh, he's been slammed so much. It's he like, went there. He, he went there throughout the whole album. Uh-huh. I think that that I, I just I, I'm with thematic albums, but that one laid it on thick. And I didn't like the slow songs. I'm going to give him a few more rotations. You know, the one with Tori Kelly, I mean, all those. You know, the slower ones, but the ones that you know, the, the first several ones, the first two thirds of the album, um, the production is superior. And you know, I just. Yeah, it's 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 a really solid album, and I I look forward to seeing him at the Fillmore in a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah, I took my son to see him at the Fillmore. I will I'll, I'll end it here. I will say for me personally, this album, this Lecrae album, is really really special only because that song that he released about a year ago, um, "Can't Stop Me Now," mm-hmm. um, you know, where it's just talking about how he struggled with depression and mm-hmm. all of that sort of thing. Yeah. That song really blessed me. It really yeah. helped me out through some tough times when I had, because my mom died several years ago, yeah. and right around September time, I have a, I just struggle a little bit, mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. having feelings and come back. And so that song came out around mm-hmm. that time, and I was listening to it. And I was like, man. So shout out to Lecrae. That song, like that last September, not this year, but last September when it came out, really got me through. I just, yeah. was, I'm, I think I played that song a thousand times. Yeah, yeah. Music so, is special with when it comes yeah. to that, you know. So if if for no other reason, I was going to get it for that song, I was going to get it for that song. So mm-hmm. shout out to Lecrae. Reach Records can sponsor us anytime, <laughs> <laughs> or Columbia Records. He's on Columbia yeah, Records right? now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we appreciate y'all rocking with us this week. Um, got a little long in the tooth about you know all the stuff we talked about and it's not heavy but it's it's what we're called to do you know i'm a believer and so like i always say until they put me in the ground i'm gonna keep god in the mix and uh yeah hope want you to do the same so thank you for rocking with us for eve this is aj saying we'll catch y'all next time Peace. peace Let's get started, I won't cheat you Let me set apart who is my people The ones who set in their heart to be believers Press on to the mark to follow Jesus When it gets hard, they be seeking the leaders Fathers that help them heal when they are beaten Or help them see the meaning when they're grieving Don't follow their feelings, that'll be misleading they're the ones that keeping it biblical Keeping 100 when others saying it's fictional A relational life, that is how it's scriptural A stay in the light while cats be living typical Integrity we chose cause folks is hypocritical Religious midwit, man that is how they picture you Wishing you would go the way of the extinctional